This is the Well-Connected Twin Cities podcast, bringing you conversations about holistic health and wellness with local voices, so you can get to know the incredible experts we have access to right here in the Twin Cities. This episode is sponsored by Mastel's Health Foods, which is a health food shop in St. Paul that specializes in clean supplements, natural personal care products, and organic groceries. If you haven't been to Mastel's yet, it is such a little gem full of hard-to-find supplements and products. Their employees are so helpful, and they provide expert service with access to a database that can help advise on supplement interactions and answer any specific questions you have. They can also special order any hard-to-find products, so if you haven't been over there yet, you should definitely check it out. They are on St. Clair Avenue in St. Paul. Mention that you heard about them from our podcast, and you'll receive 10% off any regular-priced items in your order. You can also find out more at mastels.com. That's M-A-S-T-E-L-S.com. Welcome back to the Well-Connected Twin Cities podcast. I'm your host, Lily Zaborowski, and in this episode, I sat down with David Matzenbecker, a certified forest therapy guide who's been leading groups on two to three hour forest walks for the last three years. This practice of intentional and intuitive connecting with nature is based on the Japanese practice of Shinrin-yoku and is often referred to as forest bathing. I was able to join in one of his walks recently to experience this for myself, and I was surprised at how restorative it was. I always enjoy spending time in nature, but a lot of the time I'm hiking or moving quickly, and this practice of slowing down and connecting more deeply to the landscape around me was incredibly relaxing for both my body and my mind. I felt like I had a true brain break and could turn off the noise of the outside world, even though we weren't really that far from the city. In this interview, we talk about what this practice is like, why so many of us need to connect more deeply with nature, and how we can get started right outside our own front door. I am here with David Matzenbecker. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk about forest bathing. So will you get us started by telling us what exactly is forest bathing and does it involve a bath? <laughs> <laughs> always the question that I always get asked. Um, so forest bathing is an intentional, intuitive, and immersive walk in the woods. It's designed to encourage heightening all of your senses, healing your body, relaxing your mind. It's done quite slowly and it can be a meditative experience in that regard. However, I found each person kind of takes what they need uh, from the forest at that, in that moment. What it is not, per your original question, is donning a swimming suit and playing Marco Polo in the trees. Not that at all. Um, The name comes from the Japanese term Shinrin-yoku, and that translates as taking in the forest air with all of your senses. And that has then 
migrated into forest bathing, um, so to speak, in English. Mm, yeah. So this practice originated in Japan. Is that correct? Yes. And then so how did you hear about it? How did you find out about it? And how did you get into doing this? Well, I am a licensed landscape architect. I've been practicing for 20 years and I've always been interested in Japan um, through my design work. I've been to Japan, been lucky enough to be there multiple times. And one of the biggest takeaways for me in Japan was their Shinto religious practices and how those it's kind of, it's the native religion of Japan and how those connections all focus on gods in nature. So rocks, stones, trees, forests, they are all associated with different gods. And also how the Japanese appreciate nature in all its forms, even the forms that we might consider misshapen or regular or even dying, the Japanese lift those up and appreciate every aspect of nature. And they, they distill all these complex notions down into these real simple and beautiful forms. So I really liked, excuse me, I really liked that idea. And I was surprised I had never heard about forest bathing while I was going through school and in through most of my design practice, which was weird because it started in Japan in the early 80s. And as a landscape or nature-based practice, it was surprising to me that that never kind of cross-pollinated with landscape architecture. And so when I discovered it, um, probably about 15 years ago now, um, I was very surprised and drawn into this practice. And I thought, wow, this is pretty cool. Uh, I like this idea. It fits with a lot of my things that I was focused on. And I was focused on a lot of biophilic design in my practice. So biophilia uh, is a term that was coined by E.O. Wilson, uh, entomologist at Harvard. And it's humanity's innate love for and um, connection to the natural world. And so there's a bunch of different biophilic design patterns that connect us psychologically to nature. It's in our DNA, we evolved out there. And so I tried to get these patterns into my designs and this forest bathing really connected with that. And so it involves all the things that are really important to me as a person. So joy, uh, inspire inspiration, this deep and intentional connection to nature, that simplicity I mentioned, building community between yourselves and yourselves and the woods, the idea of reciprocity. So yeah, mm -hmm. so I, I started about three years ago. In, in May, it'll be my third anniversary. And I've been lucky enough to host over 450 people during that time. So that's kind of how I got started and how I was drawn in. Wow, that's awesome. Did you learn from someone in Minnesota or did you go outside of Minnesota to learn how to do this? I trained through the Association of Nature and Forest Therapy Guides. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, they're kind of shortened to ANFT. Mm -hmm. And right now they're currently the 
world's largest certifier of forest therapy guides or forest bathing guides. They have, I think at last count, um, 2000 guides in 66 countries that they have gone through their programs. And they base their uh, instruction on kind of an uh, Americanized version of the Japanese model. Um, and um, just to be clear with that nomenclature, it's, I, I'm not a therapist. I don't pretend to be a therapist, forest therapy. Um, the forest is the therapist. We just open the door for people. And so I went um, at the time, there was no COVID. And so uh, you could go anywhere in the world to be trained that you could afford to go to. <laughs> they had trainings all over the planet. And um, with my uh, timing and resources, I was able to go to California uh, to be trained, which is where they are based. And I was lucky enough to train with the founder and the person who developed all the curriculum they were my trainers. So it was a very uh, powerful experience for me. We were in the woods camping at a state park near Santa Rosa, California for a week. And every morning we would get up and do a three hour forest walk, excuse me. And then every afternoon uh, we would have classroom style, uh, a little learning pieces. And so that pattern just continued throughout the whole week. And then in the last day, we did a kind of um, a half day um, medicine walk where we didn't eat anything. And we went off into the woods for four hours to just be still. And then we had to come back. Um, and it was, it was one of the most powerful experiences um, I've ever had in nature to, to this day. It was really a great experience. There was, a, there was about 20 some people in my cohort. And um, then we all went back to our respective homes and we did a six month practicum. Um, we were matched with a mentor and a small group. And then we had online kind of Zoom meetings um, every month for six months. And then after that, um, we were certified. Cool. And then you started leading these walks here in Minnesota, huh? Yep, uh, and I started doing the walk and then I expanded my certification um, as a landscape architect. They offered a second certification in forest bathing trail design. Oh. Um, so I got certified in that as well. So I can now, if you have private land, if you have uh, you know a corporate campus that you would like a trail put on, I can consult with you to make sure it meets all the criteria for a walk. That's awesome. And you've designed one in the metro area, right? Yes. Uh, tell us at, about that. At Silverwood Park um, in St. Anthony, uh, I had reached out to Silverwood just to do some walks and we had uh, done some walks with their staff and, and done a few for their um, constituency. And then COVID hit and we started talking about, hey, um, what would you think about doing a trail so that people could do this on their own um, and still be outside during this? And they really liked that idea. So we collaborated. They had a spot on their property uh, that was underused and we decided to 
use that and shape a little trail. And uh, we added little signs with invitations. And so anybody now can go there and walk their way through a nice um, forest walk on their own. We can also use that same trail to do guided walks. So we kicked it off about a month ago um, and did the first walk, first guided walk on on the trail. And this trail is the first certified forest bathing trail in the state of Minnesota. Oh, wow. That's yeah. Wild. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Really cool. Well, let's talk a little bit more about what it's like to go on one of these guided walks. I was able to attend one this month in April. I really enjoyed it. And do you want to talk about the kind of the flow of it, because I, I was really impressed at how you were able to kind of ease people in to the environment. So each walk, each walk is, is different in that you have a different group, a different day, a different weather. Um, but there are some things that are similar in each walk. And some of those things are like you're mentioning, we always try to bring people into the walk in the same way and bring them out of the walk in the same way. And so um, the first couple invitations, uh, that's what we use during the walk are these things called invitations. So I will invite the group to do a certain thing. And as an invitation, if you don't wanna do it, you don't have to do it. You can just look off into the trees and that's fine. Um, but the first two invitations are designed to slow you down, kind of disconnect you from the parking lot and all the things that were bouncing around in your head uh, before you arrived. And as we go through different senses and slow ourselves down and focus on those things. Um, and then we do a second invitation that slows us down even further. Uh, after that, we can do myriad of invitations, depending on, again, the group, how many are with me, what kinds of vibe um, the group has, and the weather. And so I can pick from just, uh, you know, tens of different invitations for uh, each group. And then after that, uh, after all those are done and they vary, uh, you know, each invitation can be 10 minutes, it can be 30 minutes. Um, it depends. And at the end, we then close it out with a ceremony of sorts where we are incorporating what we've done in that walk uh, into our bodies to take with us so that we can tap it in the future. Um, so that's kind of it in a nutshell. Um, the frame of the walk and each walk is between two and three hours. The typical walk is a three hour walk. Uh, I, I do a lot of two hour walks as well. Nice. So what kind of benefits have you personally experienced from this practice of forest bathing? It's been transformative for me. It, it really has reminded me of my insignificance <laughs> in the greater scheme of things. You know, how many years will I be around? A hundred, if I'm really lucky, <laughs> you know, um, hopefully more than 70, um, but you know, who knows? Um, when you think about that, a hundred years to 
a tree or an ocean or a mountain is just a blink of an eye. Uh, those 3,000 year old redwoods in California, what have they experienced in a lifetime? What's it like to be truly rooted to a place? And how does your perspective change over that span of time? Or, you know, what's it like to nurture an entire ecosystem? So I've, over these three years, I've tried to take those things that I'm continually learning. I'm still learning. Every walk is new. Every walk gives me new things to think about. And so like any practice, the more you do it, the more you take out of it. And so I take those things and translate them into my own lived experience. What really matters, um, I watch how the trees and all the different species of trees are existing harmoniously together, um, feeding, protecting, helping each other. And I see this constant reciprocity and it makes me wonder why can't we as a species do the same thing? Every time I'm in the forest, I feel it, my attitude shift to one of gratefulness. Um, I come out kinder, I come out quieter, I come out more contemplative, patient, less reactionary, something I'd love to see in all the global citizens at this time. Um, so those are the things that I've been taking from the forest recently. Mm, that's beautiful. And what have you seen, what kind of an impact have you seen this make on other people or what feedback have you heard from participants after the walks or after maybe a series of walks? Does it change to depending on whether someone has just gone on one walk or they start to make this a more ongoing practice? I have seen such positive impacts um, on those who've come on the walks, whether it's teenagers, people like me who are middle-aged, senior citizens, wherever you are on the age spectrum, everyone's at a different place in their lives. Everyone needs something different. And the forest is so rich with metaphors that people can tap into. Uh, if we slow down enough to notice them, they're, they're there for us. And um, like I was saying before, that walk we were on together was such an incredibly powerful one. That group was very in tune with the forest that day. And the, you guys were drawing such deep observations. Um, it was really wonderful. I love it when that happens. It makes me really excited. Um, people also feel really relaxed, kind of what you were saying before too, relaxed and drained in a good sort of way, like after a good workout or a, a nice spa massage or something, you feel at peace. Um, they feel more connected. Um, I've even had corporate participants talk about how not having access to their phones um, allowed them to think through things in a way they never get the opportunity to do because they're always connected and you're always on and you never get to just put that phone away and think untethered. Um, I've also seen people um, be really moved by this. I've seen my share of tears um, in these walks. I've seen people, I had a couple who came from Fargo 
for a walk and they were both going through job transitions. And the, when we went to sit with trees, after that, the gentleman came back and he said, man, I sat by this tree and it had two parts. It had a, like a living part and one part was dying and dead. And I could only think about my life and what I'm going through right now and how I have all these skill sets that, I, uh, that have helped me in the past, but now are not as relevant. And I see them almost like the dying side of the tree. Um, they've helped me stand and they're feeding me now, but they're not the living future. And then I see these next steps I have to take as the living part of the tree. And how am I going to take those skills and feed them into something that grows and lives? It was a beautiful metaphor and it was really powerful. And so I hear those kinds of things a lot. And it's really exciting to see that power that nature has on people that I don't think most people even realize they're missing out on. Yeah, definitely. I, it reminds me of what you said about the forest being the therapist. And I feel like in our group too, there were a few people who got emotional and had some emotional moments too. And it seems like people just find what they need in that time. And when they're given the opportunity to slow down and not have their phone and not be distracted, they can really tune into their own intuition, their own kind of understanding of their life and be able to look at things from a different perspective, like you said. Absolutely. I think your point is well taken with the intuitive piece of it. Mm. This is intuitive to all of us because we evolved out hundreds of thousands of years of evolution are in each one of us. And almost 99% of that time was spent out in nature. Yeah. It's only been, you know, when industrial revolution, since most people kind of came off the farm and into factories, that's not even 300 years right now, mm -hmm. or just about, um, out of the span of hundreds of thousands of years of human existence, not even 300 years. And so think of the power of that 300 years and what it's done to us and how it's disconnected us systematically, exponentially from the natural world, but it hasn't erased it. And that's what I focus on. It's still in each one of us. We just need to clear away all the noise mm -hmm. to be able to hear it again. And, and that's what you were noted because it's in there. We get, we know it intuitively. We know it. It's just letting it out. Yeah. And I think part of it too, is just carving out the time for yourself to do that and the space to do that. And I think just from my experience of like wandering out in nature by myself versus being in this group walk and having the invitations and being so intentional about it. I definitely saw a difference too, from just like, if I'm off wandering by the river, you know, or something on my own. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it I makes think you said that. Difference. I think you used the words intention and intuition on our mm -hmm. walk, right? Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, it's, it makes a big difference when you're intentional about it. Um, Cause yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with going for a walk or, you know, going walking around the lake with your friends and having a nice chat and being outside is good for you, even yeah. doing that. But it's, it's just the difference of the deepening of the experience, right? I can sit outside on my front steps and listen to the birds and have a great experience. Um, but when I'm guided through something and, and kind of prompted to think about something in a different way, it takes that sitting on the steps to a whole nother level because I'm sitting on the steps, but I'm thinking about what sounds am I hearing while I'm on the steps with my eyes closed maybe? Am I hearing the traffic go by on my street? Am I, what kinds of birds are I, am I hearing? Am I hearing jets? Um, how are those things weaving together in my mind? Do I like that? Do I not like that? And you just start down this path of really contemplating things consciously as opposed to this kind of, I mean, we're all so used to just numbly thumbing through our phones and just yeah. vaguely paying attention. Um, I'm not sure if I mentioned it, but um, we have now the, reached the sad metric as human beings of having a shorter attention span than goldfish. Nine yeah. seconds. Goldfish can pay attention to something for nine seconds. Human beings, less than that. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I believe so, it. Oh. It's hard. So by, by really focusing us, it forces us to pay attention. And th that's why I think it's hard for a lot of people at the beginning, because we're just so the other way right now. Yeah. Definitely. And I feel like over the last year, it's become even worse because we've been so tied to our technology and phones as a way to connect with other people while mm -hmm. we're distanced from each other. So yeah, yeah, taking those intentional breaks. Why do you think it's important for people to do this and to connect with nature more often? Because we desperately need it. <laughs> I mean, we were just saying, we desperately need it, but most people don't even know they need it. Yeah. We're in, we're on, on autopilot all the time. And to such a degree that we just don't even realize what we're missing. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we naturally resonate with nature. Mm -hmm. It's why we're affected by those fractal shapes, tree branches and waves and fire it's why you can sit and look at the waves for hours and not be bored why do you think people have cabins <laughs> right um you can sit and look at those campfires for a long time for the same reason they just draw you in and they allow your mind to shut off but you don't get bored your your, your attention is held it's called soft fascination and so um you know i think also because of this draw to technology, I think a lot of people have become almost biophobic, like fear of nature. I've even noticed on my walks, you know, we're, we're in a nature center right in the metro area. We're not mm -hmm. out in the North Woods. Yeah. Uh, but I, even then people are you can sense some people are a little nervous. Some people, ah, should I go off into the trees by myself? I don't know. You know, what about ticks? 
fair, you know, but hey, we got bug spray, you just brush them off, you pay attention, right? Yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll notice it should be okay. I have also seen, and people need to do this because it brings back this joy, this childlike joy. Um, you know, when people go off to collect little fun treasures in the forest, the cool things they come back with, and they're so excited to show them off, or the way that they engage with nature and play with it, or just kind of touch it, um, put their hands in water, all that kind of stuff is great. Um, another reason why, because it's there for everybody. It's the only thing that is open to everybody. And even still, we're still in a pandemic. It's not quite over yet. And uh, still you can go outside and be social with the least risk to yourself. And so it's good for you that way. The health benefits are there for us. So it's good for our blood pressure. It's good for our stress hormones, our immune system, your focus, your calm, your sense of altruism. You're just scratching the surface of some of this stuff. And it's the metrics are coming more and more and more to support that intuition that we have. We all have known it's good for us for a long time. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you go back to you know, the 1900s, early 1800s, they were sending people to sanatoriums for their nervous breakdown, right? And go off into the sanatorium, which is up in the beautiful mountains and the woods, and just sit and take the air for a few weeks. And then when you feel more yourself, come back and get back to work. Yeah. And I mean, Rockefeller took advantage of that. He's like, I'm having a nervous breakdown. I'm done. I'm out of here. He went for, you know, a month up into the woods and hung out at a place and just relaxed. Mm -hmm. And that's something we don't do. Americans, I mean, Americans don't even take the vacation that is owed to them. Yeah, It's ridiculous. We work the most of any country. And there's this weird twisted sense of pride <laughs> and martyrdom that we're you know, doing this to ourselves when it's doing nothing but killing us. We, our bodies were not designed to be in a constant state of fight or flight. So we have the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system designed to help us out in those situations, right? Mm -hmm. Fight or flight was designed to fight off the saber-toothed tiger, you know, climb into the tree. But then when the threat was over, your body relaxed, you went into rest and digest mode. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's where you stayed most of the time. That fight or flight is only rare occasions to boost that adrenaline and, and get over the issue. What's happened now is with all the stressors and that push on us day in and day out, our bodies are in a constant low level drip, drip, drip of fight or flight. So the stress never goes away. You never enter that rest or digest mode that you should be in. And so because you're always dripping with cortisol, that's then in turn causing diabetes and heart disease and all kinds of other issues with our bodies that shouldn't be there either. Yeah. So what's cool about forest bathing is while people are in that experience, it's been shown that that totally switches on the rest and digest. And that's why people it. feel so much calmer afterwards and relaxed. Yeah. I 100% felt that that day. I feel like I had one of those weeks where it was just 
like the constant state of busyness, anxiety. I mean, what's happening in our world right now is contributing to that, of course, but just having those two hours, or I can't remember if it was two or three hours actually, but um, I think we had two, yeah. two hours. Yeah. So just having those two hours at the end of it, I mean, I had the feeling that I have after doing, you know, a sound bath or restorative yoga, something that like completely calms me down all the way, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes people think, oh, I'm like relaxing, watching Netflix on my couch. That's relaxing. (laughs) But if you actually have an intentional practice like forest bathing or restorative yoga or something like that, you realize that you were not relaxing while you were sitting and watching Netflix and scrolling on your phone because you had all these things kind of dinging at your attention. You had all these thoughts kind of pulling your attention everywhere. And yeah, I totally agree that people don't even realize what they're missing with some of this stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. and they don't realize their everyday environment like you just said, might be causing them disease. Yeah. They might very well think that relaxing and watching Netflix is relaxing. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's really no, no. relaxing there with Netflix nothing. too. I do it too. Yeah. But, but to your point, like people aren't even aware that all that stimulation is still working on you. Yes. We, are, we have been conditioned by our phones to that Pavlovian response when the message dings or the email dings. I turned all those off on my phone so that I don't get those dings. I check my phone when I want to check my phone, not when it kind of triggers my psychological response. Um, But not everybody does that either. And so if you don't turn them off, it's working on you subconsciously. Mm-hmm. And you're not really ever relaxed. Yeah. I'm someone who turns off the sound notifications, but let me tell you that doesn't change the Pavlovian response. Cause I keep going. It's like a habit. I just keep picking it up, checking it every, like, I don't know. I should probably time myself some night, but <laughs> like every minute or so, is that relaxing? No. <laughs> More um, forest walking for everybody. Yeah. So let's talk about how people can access this because you do walks in nature areas that are in the Metro. So it's kind of like generally in the suburbs, I would say, right. Or do you do some in the city? Yeah, I do some in the city, but mostly in the first ring, I mean, most of the nature centers, I use a lot of the nature center kind of circuit that's out there, which they're great. And they're all over the place. And then I work with Three Rivers Park District uh, quite a bit. And so I do walks at some of their properties. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, those are in different locations. So it's all over the place. I'm I'm going to Ely tomorrow to do some walks for Vermilion Community College up there um, because they were interested in sharing this with their students. Um, So, I'll go anywhere. I love it. It's fun. Um, but yeah, I'm mostly around the Metro and I do collaborate with different groups. Like 
We mentioned the Silverwood Park Group. I work with them on doing walks at their properties um, that are advertised through their system. And then um, like um, the community ed groups, um, so Minnetonka Community Ed, Wayzata, St. Louis Park, um, all have uh, walks that I do with them. But then I advertise all those walks on my own website as well. So I have my own walks that people can sign up for. And then I have those partner walks. Uh, uh, they're all there. So if people come and they want to go on one a certain date, um, they, can, they can choose any of them. I also do private walks. So if you wanted to, you know, you had a church group or a book club group or a bunch of friends who wanted to do something fun, um, you can book it as a private group as well. Um, and we can, you know, work with schedules and find the right time and everything for your group. And then I also work with corporate and institutional educational groups. So doing kind of corporate wellness work, um, school work, as I just mentioned, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Cool. So for anyone who's listening and is curious and wants to maybe give this a try, they can find your walks on your website, but is there like a tip you could give people to maybe try a mini version of this on their own? wherever their neighborhood is, is there something they could do to maybe see a little bit of a glimpse into the benefits of this? Well, I would highly encourage everyone to go check out the Silverwood Trail. Okay. Um, that's a great way to do it. Um, it's got little signs with little invitations on them that you can read and follow along. Um, so that's a great way to test it out on your own. Um, also, um, let's see, what was I going to say? Um, doing it on your own, uh, I like to compare and contrast it. Just like you can do yoga in your living room by watching a video, uh, or you can go to a class, um, or you can just do your own, you know, the more you do something with someone else that is leading it, it does something different for you. Right. It takes the pressure off of yourself. And so you are losing that pressure to figure out what you have to do. And you're just kind of going along with it and you're being guided. Mm -hmm. And that sense of being guided by someone is relieving. It also allows you to go deeper into whatever you're doing. And the more you do that, the deeper it gets. That's not to say that you can't do any of those things by yourself. There's a, there's a book called Sit Spot, and that is a practice that anyone can do. Um, the book goes into much more detail, but the practice is very basic. Is You can do it in your backyard. Um, you can do it at a green space that is near to your house. But the idea is that every day you go to that same space whether it's your backyard or the park down the street, and you sit still for 20 minutes without a phone, without any distractions, and just pay attention and watch what happens mm. around you. You know, look at the trees, look at what birds you see, look at the changes that you see. And 
if you do this every day for 20 minutes, that same kind of repetitive thing, you begin to really notice a difference and get some really powerful benefits, even if this is in your backyard. Uh, it's just back to that idea of intentionality. It's being intentional about it and, and carving out that time. Just like we carve out time to work out or we carve out time to do X, Y, and Z, just making that decision that I'm gonna do this. And that's a hallmark of wellness is an active choice to do something good for yourself. You're not a passive recipient of something. It's an active choice. Um, and you know, the more you go back and forth to do this, I don't know if you've watched, I just watched the op, my octopus teacher the other I night. I did watch it with my kids the other day. Right, so that movie, just won an Oscar for best documentary, I believe. Yeah. But watching that movie really made me understand. It just put it out there in a whole different way. What forest bathing is like, because this guy goes back to see the octopus every day for almost an entire year. And he, because he did that every day, he built that trust, he formed a relationship with the octopus, but he also became more hyper aware of the entire environment that that octopus existed. He learned how to read those random, you know, tracks that different creatures make in the sand underwater. And so he noticed more and more and more with each dive, but he wouldn't have noticed that had it only gone one time or had he only gone, you know, once a month, it probably would have not even had that same effect on him. So same with forest bathing or with anything you choose to make a practice, you begin to sense that in forest bathing, you sense that reciprocity between our species and plants and trees. If it weren't for them, we wouldn't breathe. Right. So, hey, pretty big <laughs> you know, so I, I think uh, there's so much to be gleaned from this. And, and I don't reduce the benefits that people can get on their own at all. Right. Hey, I'd love to have everybody on a walk, but people can get great benefits just by sitting in their backyard intentionally. Yeah, I love that tip. And I love that you brought up the active choice of it, because I think in our culture, it's kind of like exercise is probably more prioritized in general in like overall wellness and stuff. People say, oh, make an active choice to get your exercise in. And I think up until doing that walk with you, I feel like every time I was out in the woods, it was like, let's go for a hike. Let's like hike right. fast and move, you know, move really right. quickly and move our bodies. And, and that feels good too. But the difference I felt with, again, comparing it to that, like active choice of relaxation, you know, versus moving quickly, <laughs> I just think it's important to make the case to people to prioritize their relaxation outside of Netflix <laughs> yeah. and prioritize time to slow down too, you know, and I think this fits into that really nicely. Yeah, you have to get away from electronics, if only for a little bit, 
um, they are so ubiquitous in our lives. I mean, they're everywhere all the time. I mean, people's refrigerators are now talking to them and ordering food. I mean, so to consciously choose to go to nature, again, that intuitive thing, we have known it as a species for eons. Mm -hmm. I could throw tons of quotes at you that come throughout history of people who have talked about why it's important to, to be connected to nature and why that is helpful for us. But only now have we proven it with metrics. Mm -hmm. They've just all kind of had the, uh, you know, anecdotal evidence, but now it's proven. And once you start doing it, you, you realize it. it. It helps veterans who have PTSD. It reduces PTSD symptoms. It helps kids who have ADHD. Some kids who have ADHD and take meds have stopped taking their meds if they are outside enough. It calms them down enough that they're able to focus. Um, and uh, same kids, another kid benefit um, and people, uh, human, adults too, um, but kids do better on tests and homework if they've been outside like 20 minutes beforehand. Um, adults are better able to focus and concentrate and more efficient at their work when they're outside. So there's all these great things that come from being outside. And like I said, hey, I'd love to have you, but outside is free. Yeah. And you can go there anytime and get these benefits for free. One more question for you. Sure. What do these walks look like in the winter? Do you do these in the winter? Totally. Yeah. Um, I do them all year round and they're wonderful because they change in every season. Winter is so much quieter. Uh, the silence of the woods is a whole different thing. You hear different noises. Um, you notice different things. The light is different. The cold, of course, you know, the cold makes you appreciate warmth and going back home to a, a place that's warm. And also a lot of the walks this past winter that I did, we were, we were all contemplating, we did an invitation that was, um, go create a nest for yourself in the woods. And, you know, we started to think about when we came back together and talking about, wow, if we actually had to make a nest out here, we would be really bad. <laughs> We'd probably freeze to death. Uh, you know, we're, we're so far removed from it, we don't even get it. Um, how to do it the right way. You know, people are like, oh, I liked this place, but then I was feeling this cold drip on my head, the wind was here. And then you start thinking about animals who are outside all the time. And where do, where do they find their nests that are warm and cozy? And how do they create those? And, and it gives you that appreciation for being warm and what it takes to do that. So it just gets you thinking in a whole nother way. You know, spring is great because the bird song is just raucous and uproarious. Summer, the light is a whole nother thing. Fall, I just love the smell and the colors. And so every season is different. And 
that's the benefit of a practice too, is you keep going back and seeing new things in that same place in different seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love that. Well, is there anything else that you want our listeners to know about what you do or any parting words for people? Um, well, if people want to come on a walk, I'd love to have you come to modstudios.com and check it out. Um, we got lots of walks coming up. If you, like I said, if you want private walks or corporate walks, I do those too. Um, I speak. If you want uh, someone to speak inspirational speaking uh, at your event, I can do that. Um, but I would just leave people with uh, one of my favorite quotes from Diogenes, who was a Stoic philosopher, uh, Salvatur ambulando, which uh, translates as it is solved by walking. Love it. Thank you so much for being on the show, David. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, Lily. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Well-Connected Twin Cities podcast. We would love your help getting the word out to more local people in the Twin Cities. Would you take a moment and give us a review on Apple Podcasts? Take a screenshot of the podcast and share it on social media and let other people know about these stories that we are sharing. Thank you so much for being here.